Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. So cool to be speaking with you this morning. I'm Rachel, as Matt said. I'm married to Stanley, who's on the team here. And by day, you'll find me running after a little almost two-year-old. Wednesday, he turns two, Josiah. And looking after, we have teenager in our house as well at the same time. It's good times in our house. And we have a 10-year-old, so um, that's what I do. I also run a little business proofreading and editing for people who write books or journal articles or magazines. Um, I'm the one that notices when the commas and the apostrophes are in the wrong place. Um, And I love doing that, equipping and empowering people to do that. And I also have the privilege of being on the church oversight team, which is a team of people who support Matt and Jacinda and the wider church staff team and the vision and the direction of the church. And that is such a privilege for me because I love church. I'm a church girl. So a little bit about me. But a long time ago when I was... um, just newly engaged to my amazing husband, Stanley. We were driving on a very cold winter's, beautiful but very cold winter's day from Christchurch to Nelson. And um, about halfway there, Stanley perked up and he said, babe, we're just about to pass the best swimming hole in New Zealand. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't really get excited about swimming holes like he does. But he was like, I've got to show you, how I've got to show you. It's so cool. So I'm like, okay, off we get. We get out. We're trooping through. To get to the swimming hole, there's a wee problem. We, I have to jump over a few little streams. And we get to this one stream, and you might have noticed that my legs aren't quite as long as everybody else's. And I'm looking at the stream, and I'm going, I don't know if I'm going to make this, eh? But he's on the other side already going, come on, hun, you've got to see the swimming hole. It's the best. Like, okay. So I leap. And as I leap, my foot slips out from under me. And fully clothed, I plunge into the coldest, iciest South Island River I think I've ever been in, right up to my neck. I was so cold, I felt like my engagement ring was going to slip off. You know how your body just goes into shock? And I emerged coughing and spluttering. And I looked at him and I thought, the things we do for love. (laughs) And that's what we're talking about this morning. The things we do for love. You know, what do we do for love? As the body of Christ, as a community of faith, For those of us who are Jesus followers here this morning, what are the things that we commit to, decide to, and aim to do for love? I want to read from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 8, which is a famous passage in the Bible that's often called the love passage. Who had it at their wedding? (laughs) Love is patient. It's Paul. Paul's speaking, and he's letting us know what godly love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Love never fails. 
I started with this passage this morning because I want to talk about how we as a community of God followers can walk through times of difficulty and conflict. Woohoo! The things we do for love in difficult times. And over the past few weeks, Jacinda and Stanley and Caitlin have been talking about this deep connection that we all desire to know and be known and live in community. And if you've been around people longer than a minute, you'll know that when we try to do that, we will disagree with each other. We will hurt each other. Conflict will arise whenever we're in relationship. We'll get frustrated. People will offend us. We'll offend them. They might get angry and hurt by us. And to be honest, most of it's unintentional, hey? Most of it. But that is the messiness of community. And the things that we do for love, that 1 Corinthians 13 type of love, is a commitment to work and walk through difficult times together, rather than just giving up and walking out of relationship, offended, angry, or upset. Whether that is in a family context, a work context, a church context. You know, I think it's quite funny that I chose to talk about this topic. I could have chosen to talk about anything, couldn't I, Matt? You let me. And I chose this one because I hate conflict. I remember so much so when I worked um, in an office many years ago, I had to physically hold myself to the chair in a work meeting when two colleagues were disagreeing about something so that I didn't bolt out of the room because I hate it so much. It wasn't anything to do with me. I just couldn't even be in the same room as people disagreeing. And um, I don't know many people that do love conflict, anyone? <laughs> but, you know, the, the, the thing is that I'm learning that conflict can actually build relationship if it's done well. Conflict can actually deepen relationship if we're willing to work through it healthily. And God gives us the tools and the ways to live in any kind of community beautifully. So what has a self-conflict, conflict avoider like me learnt about doing conflict well? And what does God say about living in relationship well with others when disagreements or, or conflict arises? You know, one of the reasons I hate conflict is because I didn't have a great model of conflict growing up. And I know many of us maybe didn't. And God spoke to me and he said, you, that I equal conflict with abandonment because that's what I saw in my family. He said to me, I was reading about repair, um, rupture and repair, that when we're children in a healthy family, we, there's always rupture, but there's always repair, hopefully. And you actually are modeled. There's always rupture, but we can healthily repair. And if we haven't seen that conflict, you might actually be wanting to walk out the door with me talking about it. Because conflict to you means unsafety. It's not safe. So I want to talk gently this morning about it. And, and just I want to be really aware. God's presence is here. His spirit is here with us. And he, his heart is so for you. And there's so many things I could cover. Because the Bible has so much to say about this. Because God wants us to live well in community. I had four points 
then I dropped it down to three. Last night, it's, it's down to two. So I just have two things I want to talk about this morning, but I want to talk about them for quite, you know, extensively, rather than trying to rush and get through four things. So I want to talk about two things about living in community this morning. Because I'm committed to relationship with you and others. I don't want to be the person that walks away from relationship because of conflict, offence, um, undealt with anger. Is anyone else with me? Like, I want to be with, in relationship with you for a long time. And you want to be in relationship with people in your life for a long time. So we're going to talk about it in the t- context of choice. As we choose to live in the 1 Corinthians 13 kind of way, what can we choose? Sound good? The first thing we can choose is response over reaction. We've probably all been in situations where we've said something that we regret in the heat of the moment, or is it just me? Both when we are angry and hurt about something and we bring up that issue in anger, or when we're the ones receiving anger or criticism, both times, you know, we can react in defensiveness and anger. And I have this real sense that it is a calling of, of ours as Christians to be the kind of people who others can come to. Others can come to if they're hurt or angry and that they can address things with us and bring things up without fear of us blasting them, without fear of us getting offended or defensive or attacking them. And similarly, As believers, we have a responsibility when we are upset or angry to bring things up in that 1 Corinthians kind of way with the person, in that loving, kind, gentle way. Remember, love is kind. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not easily angered. It protects. But why is it so difficult? Like, why is it so difficult to respond rather than react? Why is it so hard not to lash out, to defend ourselves, to meet anger with anger? To know the reason we actually need to look and understand our brains, the way God made our brains. There is a huge difference of where in our brain we react versus where we respond. Did you know that? (laughs) It's so cool. I know the counsellors know it. Thank you, counsellors. <laughs> There's part of our brain in the limbic system called the amygdala, and it is designed to protect us. The problem is it can get a wee bit overactive when we feel unsafe. When we feel attacked or criticised or conflict arised, our amygdala will leap into action to protect us. And it'll take over. And without considering the consequences, it'll send us into attack or defense or self-preservation mode. You might know it as the fight, flight, or freeze mode. That was me when I wanted to bolt out the door, you know. And um, almost without knowing it, this, this stuff pours out of us, this anger, this defensiveness. You see it in kids really easily because they're just learning this too. And I've started talking about the amygdala to my kids And um, just this week, one of them just exploded at her sister, you know, way out of proportion. And I looked at her and she looked at me and she said, amygdala. And I said, yep, 
And I said, and was it telling you the truth? Did you need to defend? Did you need to fight? She didn't answer. Anyway, in contrast to reaction, we have response. And that happens in our cortex. That's the place of rational thinking, where we can respond as opposed to react. And it's where we are more emotionally regulated, and we can think clearly and respond kindly and calmly. Now, to live in community with each other and in relationship, to be those 1 Corinthians 13 kinds of people, we need some strategies to be able to respond rather than react. And there are some scriptures which I believe hold the key to help us to, from being on the offensive or the attack and conflict to being a calm and safe place, both for others but also for ourselves. Because when we're in that reactive reactive place we're actually unsafe to ourselves as much as anyone else so God knew our brains and he made them right and right back in James 1 verse 19 to 20 we get a key the first key be slow it was so interesting how breathe came up twice today already be slow let's read it let every person be quick to hear slow to speak and slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God this passage says both to be quick and slow but we get it round the wrong way okay we are slow to hear quick to speak and quick to anger <laughs> that's not the right way <laughs> we need to be slow to speak quick to hear and slow to speak so in that moment when the Bible says be slow to speak what can we do? We can breathe. And we can ask, what is going on in me? Why am I reacting this way to this person? I want to fight. I want to run. I want to defend myself. This hurts. This isn't fair. I'm so angry at that person. We need to be curious and compassionate. What is going on? inside me that is making me want to fight or flee or freeze and we can actually know this all in a split second everything inside us is screaming to react but we can stop and slow and just take a moment one study says six seconds six seconds to give your rational cortex a chance to catch up to your amygdala one two, three, four, five, six. The person can even still be talking. When your amygdala is screaming at you to react to a perceived threat, take that moment to slow. And it's in those seconds that we can allow the Holy Spirit in and ask for his help. Or listen for his whisper or his check. God, how can I respond well? Doing these two things can help us choose response over reaction. One that is kind to the person and to us. And it's totally okay to be, I need a moment to process this through so that I can respond well to you. That's totally okay if you need to say it. This is how we can live out Ephesians 4.25, which seems like a really hard scripture. Be angry and do not sin. 
because we are allowed to be angry. God is not holding us to this emotionless standard where we have to be automatons and never feel upset or angry or hard done by. But in our anger, do not sin. Take time, move from reaction to response, process with God. What is going on in me? Why do I want to lash out? Let me tell you a failure story and a success story to illustrate of mine. I had a huge fight reaction this year. Something happened at school with a teacher and my daughter. She came home devastated and I went full mama bear. I was like, there ain't no flipping way you are treating my kid like this. <laughs> Inside. Um, and I actually had a right in some ways to be angry and disagree with what happened. But I was actually, I was able to realize that I was really triggered as well back to something, things that happened in my childhood when I felt really unheard and humiliated. And so it just added this extra weight of reaction. And I wrote an email. Now, one thing I've learned from both receiving those emails and sending them, try not to write emails when you're in a reactive mode. <laughs> or in fact, address anything <laughs> when you're in reactive mode. Um, because you actually think you're quite calm and rational. And it's only when you read it back the next day that you realize you weren't. <laughs> I was not as calm as I thought. And you know, I actually heard that small whisper of the Holy Spirit saying, just wait, just give it some time. Wait till Stanley gets home from work and get him to read it first. Did I do that? I just print set, first send. I blew right past your Holy Spirit, sorry. And you know what? When I read it the next day, I actually had to send another email. And I had to say, look, what I was saying, while I still agree with it, the way that I said it was not right. And I am really sorry. I said it out of anger and pain and reaction. And that was not right of me. And we resolved that. Um, so yeah, that was my failure. <laughs> a, few months, a few months later, someone brought up something with me about my parenting. And if anything is guaranteed to make me feel like a failure, it's that. And everything within me, and they did it in a beautiful, loving way, wanted to react and defend myself and say, we are trying our best. How dare you criticize our parenting? You don't know what we're dealing with here. But I was able to stop this time and go, hang on, this is coming out of my fear of failure. This is coming out of me wanting to seem perfect and like I never get things wrong. Hang on, just listen to this person. Just be slow. And I said, God, help me. Help me because I don't want this to break relationship with this person. And I could also see it was very difficult for them to, it took a great courage for them to say this to us. And isn't it silly because the Bible actually talks about us as Christians being able to bring correction to each other. But we've had these kind of reactions so much that we are too scared to do it, aren't we? And so I was able to say, I can actually see what you're saying. This is what we're seeing. They were able to, we, it was beautiful. Honestly, by the end of it, we had a deeper relationship with each other. 
And what they were saying was fantastic, but they could also understand us. And so look, I've failed and I've succeeded. And you will too. But when we want to react, let's take a leaf out of the wisdom of the word. In our anger, do not sin. Be slow to act and speak. Ask the Holy Spirit to help us. Choose the kinder and loving way. These are the things we do for love. I never used to have, usually have to drink. It's a tough topic, must be that. Second and last thing. God calls us to choose forgiveness over offense. In Matthew 24.10, Jesus talks about one of the signs of the end of the age being that many will be offended. And he's not actually talking about non-Christians. He's talking about believers. You don't need to look far to see a lot of offense in the body of Christ. Hurt feelings, judgments about the way others act or decisions they make, things done to us, said to us, taken to us, our rights. We can even get offended about things done to other people. I'm an expert at this because I'm high empathy and high justice. So like if someone tells me that someone else hurt them, I'm so angry on their behalf. I'm so angry at that person. There's nothing to do with me. And God's like, I'm um, Rachel. Like, keep out of it. Nothing to do with you. Don't get offended on behalf of others. <laughs> when we are hurt, it's incredibly difficult to, to let go of offense and extend forgiveness. I get it. But God is super clear about it in the Bible, right? 127 times, in fact, forgiveness is mentioned. And that 1 Corinthians 13 way of life, not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, always perseveres. Offense can become a real problem in community if we don't process it and extend forgiveness, right? I was thinking this week about all the ways that Jesus was attacked, criticized, and yet the whole time he never act, acted offended. In fact, right up to the cross, he extended forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They know not what they were doing. God is so passionate about us living like this because it not only hurts others, it hurts us, right? Whether that be in a family or a work or a church setting, we're only eventually and ultimately hurting ourselves by holding on to offense and unforgiveness because we begin to nurse it, feed it. It makes us bitter. We can't even see anything good in that person anymore. Everything they do is wrong. Everything they do annoys us. You know, I've been there. I've held on to bitterness and offense, and it slowly shuts down our joy, and we become crushed under the weight of it. Mark 11, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. That's a tough one, eh? N.T. Wright talks about this concept. If we don't extend forgiveness, how can God forgive us? I love the picture he gives here. Forgiveness is a way of life, God's way of life, God's way to life. And if you close your heart to forgiveness, why then you close your heart to forgiveness? If you lock up the piano because you don't want to play to somebody else, how can God play to you? It's not even that he won't, it's how can he? Not to forgive is to shut down a faculty in the innermost person 
which happens to be the same faculty that can receive God's forgiveness. We get to a point where we are so shut down in our offense and anger and bitterness. No, God is committed to leading us to deal with offense if we have an open heart to him. That's the key, of course, because he knows how detrimental it is. He'll keep on bringing it up, or you'll keep on seeing that person. One day a few years ago, I was sitting on the couch scrolling through Instagram, as you do, and um, scrolled up through this person, and I was like, all very well for you. You know, social media is actually quite good in showing us where we're offended, or going to the supermarket, or going to the shops and seeing them. And you know what I said? Just being real here, I said to myself, oh, well, yeah, I am still a bit angry at them, but it doesn't matter because they're not in my life anymore. Not in my world. Don't see them. Carried on with my life. No word of a joke. Half an hour later, I walked into a school, and there they were. I hadn't seen them for years. Rachel, they said. Big hug. I'm hugging them. I'm going, God, you're cracking up right now, eh? Like, you are cracking up. I literally just said, I don't need to deal with that offense because they're not in my world. And half an hour later, there they are. They've actually moved to the area. I see them all the time. But I drove away that day and I was like, God, you will not give up making sure that we deal with this stuff because this stuff will take us out. This person was fine. They were off living their best life. They didn't even know I was upset at them. But it was me. And so whenever we get that uh, feeling, you know, it's God going, um, forgiveness over offense. You know, I'm really aware that there could be situations here of extreme pain, abuse, infidelity, church hurt even, and I don't want to minimize in any way that forgiveness journey for you. I know that it is a long journey, and I know that you may not be in a situation where you are ever able or it is ever safe for you to restore relationship with the person who wronged you and yet you are still beautifully and faithfully walking out forgiveness. I guess what I'm talking about more today is those general living and community offenses that come all the time. We are called to be slow to offense and quick to forgive. And as you can see, I'm not that great at it all the time either. So a few little tips as we close. We need to acknowledge that we were hurt We can't just skip over it and pretend it wasn't there because it'll keep coming up. And even if it was irrational, like sometimes it is a bit irrational, but God is ready and willing to hear our cries and help us walk through pain and offense. The second thing is the Bible says, overlook it if you can. Proverbs 19 verse 11 A person's wisdom makes him slow. Oh, slow again. Slow to anger. And it is in his glory to overlook an offense. Wow. You know what? We aren't called to address every slight. We don't need to be hasty to confront. The word for overlook literally means to pass over. If we can, between ourselves and God, overlook the offense process it through with God. God, that really hurt. 
I know they didn't really mean it. They, maybe they were just having a bad day. Maybe they hadn't gotten any sleep. God, I extend forgiveness. Help me. If we are able to do that, that is a glory, you know? When we can't, number three, when we need to bring it up to the person, that's when the Bible is really clear that we don't go to the 10 other people in our world and complain about that person and what they did. And Stanley actually talked about this quite a bit in his sermon, so I'm not going to labor on it, but it says in, um, where is it? I've lost my notes. You know, you know it, Matthew 18. Yeah. It says in Matthew 18 that we had to go to the source, go to the person. And that's where point one comes up. In response, not reaction, in kindness, if at all possible, and say, hey, you really hurt me. Can we talk this through? That decision you made really upset me. Can we talk this through? Forgiveness is really important to God. And if we are truly committed to living in relationship with each other, let's not walk out the door. Let's not walk out the door of family relationships. Let's not walk out the door of work relationships. Let's not walk out the door of church relationships when we get offended. Let's be brave enough and big enough to sort it through, to deal with it. Do you know what? If we stay offended and never deal with those issues, they will follow us. You see this. I've quit that job because they did this. A few years later, oh, and I've quit that job because they did the same thing. It follows the people. Oh, I'm trying this church because that church did that. All churches are the same. I quit that family because they did that. We must deal with our offenses. We must. They will follow us around. And it's always the other person's fault if we're not willing to deal with it. Not saying that there wasn't fault, but there's something within us that God wants to work on in our hearts. Sorry, that was a bit teaching scary. Hope that was okay. It is a holy Jesus calling to be slow to offense and to forgive. And so as believers, let's be people who commit to overlooking offense and commit to forgiveness. As I've been talking, this challenging message, and it's challenging to me, and that's why I told the stories of all my failures, because I haven't got this right. I still hate conflict. God may be convicting some of us about our reactions, or about how we deal with anger, or about how we bring up conflict. God may be gently speaking to us about conflict in general. When I spoke about our childhoods, when I spoke about why do I react like this, maybe God wants to heal something in us this morning. Maybe God's bringing to mind someone that we need to forgive or that we need to ask forgiveness of. Maybe it's in the area of community. Maybe you've given up on community because of some of the stuff that you've dealt with and that you've walked through. But God is here. And if we want to be 1 Corinthians 13 people, it takes work and courage and commitment. But the benefits of it are so significant. 
You know, if we are the kind of people who others are afraid to come to because they're not going to get blasted or defensive or angry, we, knowing that we are forgiving people, we are invited into the most beautiful relationships. We are seen as safe people. We can minister, we can advise, we can pray. We can be in beautiful relationships. I wanna be a safe person and I wanna be in beautiful relationships and community. And I know you do too. So I want us to sing Waymaker. And I'm going to open the altar, and I'm very aware that this is a challenging message, and this could take a lot of courage for you to come up. But if any of those things I just said are touching your heart, it would be an absolute privilege to stand with you and support you and pray for you this morning. If it's around forgiveness, if it's around conflict, anger, even if it's around church hurt or being in community, we would love to be able to pray with you. So could you stand and let's sing and I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you are not willing to leave us where we are. I thank you that, Lord, you've given us amazing keys in your word of how we are to live in community well, how we are to be 1 Corinthians 13 people who show that kind of love. And Lord, we open our hearts to you today. Lord, you know our stories. You know our stories right from when we were little. You know our conflict stories. You know our relational stories. You know the people who have hurt us. You know the people we have hurt. I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit. And as we sing, that you would minister to us. And we just, as a group, as a body of people this morning, commit to being people who would love in your way, would stay in community and work through those difficult times. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us for today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you are keen to find out a little bit more about us as a church whanau or you'd like to touch base, then you can go to coast.org.nz and there you'll find information about our in-person services, online services, various resources and activities. Enjoy the day. Be blessed.